Brought to you by the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. Plus receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges and a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. Unlock a whole new world of travel with the Capital One Venture X Card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Lounge access is subject to change. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hello. Are you back in your boudoir? <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I'm. I really like it in here now. <laughs> I might. I might just stay in here all night. All right. So today was the second day of uh, of the hearing. Yes. How? So how did it go for Asia today? Um, they really went after her. You know, today was mostly the state um, cross examining her, and they really attacked her testimony in a bunch of ways. Um, one of the things they brought up was this whole snow issue. Um, because you remember when I talked to her on the phone that time, you know, when I was reporting the story, she called me, she said she remembered that day specifically, January 13th, 1999. The day Hago's missing. The day Hago's missing. She remembered seeing a nun in the library and she said to me, because of the snow, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, she was like, I remember it because it was this the first snow of the year and there was all the snow. And the state today, um, the prosecutor, he was like, are you sure you have the right day? Because there wasn't snow that day, was there? Like he sort of referenced what she had said to me. And I mean, that was was something we kind of had a question about too, because she was very clear with you. She got snowed in at her boyfriend's house and then the next two days were snow days. So she's very clear that she ties this memory to to the snow, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we kind of wondered about that. Yeah, because we looked up the weather, right? And it hadn't snowed. It hadn't snowed. There was a horrible ice storm that had started like in the wee hours of the next morning, but there wasn't snow. It was it was it was terrible weather and it was like a big emergency in Baltimore, but it was um, an ice storm. And so she kind of I mean, she she did a fairly good job with it. I mean, she just said like, yeah, I don't know. I know it was bad weather. I'm not sure if it was snow or ice or whatever. I just remember it was like hazardous bad weather. School was canceled after after that. And she was like, and I remember I was happy about it because I had used the excuse of bad weather as a reason to stay later at my boyfriend Derek's house. And my mom bought it. And then she was like, and I remember because I'd stayed out later, I was happy that then school was canceled for the next two days. So it sounded pretty specific. Very I mean, specific, actually. I I don't know. But I have to say she was very cool and collected about it. It it wasn't, um, she didn't seem frazzled or freaked out or she was just like, yeah, I don't know, bad snow, ice, I don't know, it was bad weather. Huh. Yeah, she seemed total, she seemed completely confident in her memories, even when I was thinking like, uh-oh. Like even when I was thinking, like, wait a minute, wait, what it happened? Didn't seem like, why, it why, didn't seem like. She, why oh you, well, so what happened? <laughs> yeah, well, so the other, the main thing that happened that at least was new to me as a theory about Asia's alibi, and that made me think, like, wait a minute, let me rethink this. And in fact, I asked you guys to go scrambling back to the records that we have our detectives. Oh, this and stuff this is to, the Juwan stuff. Yes, the Juwan stuff. 
because the prosecutor, uh, Vignaraja, went after her for a long time about the second letter that she wrote to Adnan right after he got so arrested. We, so we should just take a step back and explain what these letters are that, that you're talking about. So the so Asia wrote Adnan two letters. She wrote him the first letter the day after he was arrested, I think, March 1st, 1999. And um, and that's this this handwritten note where she's sort of saying to him, I've, I've just been to your house. I met your, your parents. And I want to tell you that I remember talking to you that day, January 13th, 1999. I remember seeing you in the library. So then the next day she she writes him another letter. And this one is a little bit different. It's a little bit longer. It's typed up. She seems to be writing it in like from one of her classes at school. And in that one, um, she sort of reiterates again, like, I remember seeing you in the library that day. So let me know if you need me to speak up about that. Um, right. So today, the the second letter, the typed one was was the issue today. So the state is really pressing her over and over to say, are you sure you really wrote this letter on March 2nd? Because it's dated March 2nd. And in fact, it's dated on every, it's a three page letter. And at the bottom of each page, it says March 2nd. And she keeps saying, yes, yes, I am. Yep. And he's pointing to things in the letter that suggest it was written later, maybe, and that suggest it was written later, because she's got all of this fairly specific information about Adnan's case and about the the crime and the way the crime unfolded. And he's suggesting like, how would you have known all this stuff? What were some of the what were some of the things the prosecutor was pointing to in the letter as like, how would you know this or that? Um, There were several things. One was she she notes that Hay was found in a shallow grave. Um, Another was that um, she talks about someone else referencing fibers from Adnan on Hay's body. So the prosecutor is saying, like, it's too soon for any of those details to have been out in the public two days after Adnan has been arrested. Right. Is that what he's kind of saying? That's what he's uh, suggesting. In fact, he's not really correct about that because then Justin Brown, Adnan's defense attorney, stood up after that and showed exhibits of Baltimore Sun stories dated prior to Asia's letter that talk about these, that have these very phrases in them, shallow grave, you know, Leakin Park, that, you know, so, so that didn't hold up very well. But, but there was this one thing that, and this was the thing that I was like, hmm. And that is, he's asking her, did a nun ever contact you from jail? And she's like, no. And he says, did he ever call you? No. Did he, you know, send you letters? She's like, nope. And he says, well, how do you explain if Adnan never contacted you, how would you explain notes from a, from a detective's interview with Adnan's friend, this is a kid named Jawan Gordon, and in these notes it says that Jawan told the cops that Adnan had written a letter to a girl and asked her to type it up but she got the address wrong. And and what does that mean? Like, how, what does that what does that imply? He's trying. I well, I think he was trying to imply that Adnan had had contacted Asia and had asked her to type up this letter in this way. This March second letter. But but he's implying 
it wasn't actually written March 2nd. It was written perhaps weeks later. Oh. That and- maybe he engineered that and that maybe Anon asked her to write this type to type up this letter. Huh. Yeah. And then I was like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean she doesn't remember what she thinks she remembers? Or does that mean she's lying? Or or and, and Anon did re- did contact her and what does that mean? You know? And so you know, it started, it starts to make her sort of very pure story about being um, just a potential alibi who, who wanted to step forward and do the right thing to like, look like something slightly different. And so that's why I asked you guys to look up uh, notes from that in- detective's interview with Juwan. Okay, so, so I'm looking at the detective notes from their interview with Juwan on April 9th, and they didn't record that interview. So I've, all I've got are these kind of like cryptic detective's notes. Um, so I'll just read those to you. And this is what they say. I think this is what the prosecutor is referencing. It says, um, Adnan wrote me a letter. And remember, at this time, Adnan is in jail. Um, so Adnan wrote me a letter. He called yesterday, but I wasn't home. Wrote Adnan back. He wrote a letter to a girl to type up with his address on it but she got it wrong. And then there's an address, 101 East Eager Street, which is the incorrect address for central booking. And then it says Asia with a question mark, 12th grade. I got one. Justin Adger got one. And Justin Adger uh, was a friend of Adnan's and I guess was was Asia's ex-boyfriend. But um, I, I'm just saying, like, th- those are pretty cryptic. And I could also see that note as implying that Adnan wrote a letter to a girl and asked her, could you please give my friends the address so that they can write me letters? And that's all it means. That's true. That's true. I mean, right. And then she gets the address wrong. And it's like, I can just imagine how this could play out in a totally innocent, different way from what the prosecutor seems to be suggesting. The one line that stops me is he wrote a letter to a girl to type up. And I don't know. It's true. It's not clear. It's not clear what this totally means. But here's the thing. It raises, it, it does make you pause, right? And that's his entire point. That's that's the prosecutor's entire point, is that I can throw a bunch of suspicion on Asia's story in all of these various ways. And if I can do it here before you today in this hearing, that means the prosecutor's back at Adnan's criminal trial back in 1999, 2000, could have done the same thing. So the state is showing, look, maybe she's not such an ironclad alibi after all. And if she's not such an ironclad alibi, then maybe Christina Gutierrez did have a very good reason for not pursuing her. It wasn't a mistake. It was a strategy. That's what he's trying to show. But So what did you think? Did you buy that? Um, right? Did I buy it? I mean, I would say... Um, I don't think that he like proved that she didn't write the letter on March 2nd or anything like that. And she seemed very comfortable just saying, like, I don't know what Jawan, those notes about Jawan mean, but I wrote this letter March 2nd. I never heard from Anon. Like she was, she just was very forthright about it uh-huh. uh, or seemed very forthright about it, I should say. And, um, but it did, you know, it did make me think like, huh, well, it, it does make you wonder what could have happened at trial and whether it would have been this slam dunk for a non necessarily, you know? 
Okay, so can we talk about the main event of the day, which is the cell phone testimony, which I've been waiting patiently to get to? I know. I so wished you were there today, Dana, honestly. I was like, I was like, Dana would be eating this up. <laughs> um, I was like drooling partway through. I mean, it's it was hard to... It was that exciting? Um, ee! It, so it's really important is the thing, but it's just, it's hard to sink your teeth into in terms of um, emotion, you know? Um, but <laughs> it's... <laughs> no, it was... I mean, it, yeah, it was interesting. So basically... Today, there was not a big bombshell on this issue, but I think they're setting the stage for one. So it turns out that the AT&T cell tower, the AT&T cell tower expert who testified at Anand's original trial in 2000, it turns out that there was this disclaimer on those records, on a, on a fax cover sheet for those records back in 1999 that said... You can't use incoming calls. They're not reliable for location status. Incoming calls are not reliable for location status. And why that's important is because the two phone calls that place Adnan in Leakin Park at the time that Jay said they were burying the body are incoming calls, right? So what happened was this fall, just recently, that same cell tower expert wrote an affidavit saying, I didn't know about that disclaimer about not using the incoming calls for location. So now he's saying, I'm not sure now about my testimony. I'm not sure I could say that those two calls placed the phone in Leakin Park. So that guy did not testify today, actually. But the defense team brought in this other expert who said, yes, you know, that disclaimer was very, very important. And they spent a lot of the day, the afternoon arguing the, the state and the defense over basically the meaning of location on those cell tower records, like how to interpret the word location. I'm really jealous that you get to be there for that tomorrow. No, I actually am because no, this is actually really important. I, I, this this like cell phone disclaimer thing is is something that's bugged me for a really long time um, because it's sort of like if if that is in fact the case that you can't use incoming calls for location data, then that kind of means there's a, a chance that 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 cell phone was not in Leakin Park when the prosecution at the original trial said it was. So it's no, it's a real a problem deal. for the state. Yeah, it's a real problem if it's not true. So this might really get answered tomorrow of whether whether that's a real thing that you can't use incoming calls for location. That would that would make me really happy if they could answer that. Stay tuned, man. It's going <laughs> to keep going. All right. All right, so you'll call me tomorrow? Yes, I will. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.